0: Oh ve
1: Yes. Yes. Yes.
2: <laughs> yes.
0: <So> high <laughs> only bats can hear it. <laughs>
2: Welcome back to Calling All Beings. Brothers and sisters. And yes, that's what I mean. I'm talking about prime time's back. We're gonna get to that. Hi everybody. I'm your host DJ. We have been uh uh somewhat missing in action. I'm moving moving states, moving jobs, all kinds of neat stuff, and uh it's taken away a lot of my attention. But don't worry, we're going to bring it to you, and uh, we're going to do that because we have a guy that Michael Masters done mentioned twice on that
0: episode
2: <laughs> with Space.Radio with my man Dave Scott, who's going to be coming on with us very soon. Thanks to Julie in the chat. Thank you, Jules. So, he's Oof, yeah. the executive producer. He's the technical director. He's the co-creator and co-conspirator in lively, fun, interesting UFO talk. He is money. Nathan.
1: Greetings, friends. Uh, yeah, I got to write Mike uh, two checks instead of one. He was supposed to only mention me one time, so I'm going to have to have a little chat with him about that. But I think he uh, put his
2: Venmo, though, just so, in the, uh, in the well,
1: show notes. So He would. He would. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, great to be back, guys. It has been a little bit of a, a hiatus, which I think is good every once in a while. Take a little break, you know, stretch the legs, get limber and then get back into it. And we're coming back like with. Man, we're bringing some heat tonight. I'm excited about it. It's going to be good.
2: Definitely, definitely. And it, it's so funny that I contacted our uh, one of our original gangsters last night. She said, I got mo for you. Ya. Okay, y'all think it's just going to be about one rant? I get more because I got a lot of ammunition. So uh, that is, of course, the centerpiece at A Study of UAPs, the host of uh, heads, uh, Deb's Data Dojo and also the uh, UAP Med Group, man. She's one of the pr- uh, prime figures – up in that
3: joint, so Debs, are you ready for tonight? I am so ready. I'm just gonna treat it like event session. All the things that I've been holding back, no sweet Deb. I'm just bringing it. Oh, no sweet Deb. Whoa, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. spicy Deb tonight,
2: <laughs> no little Debbie. Uh, and shout out to there's somebody on, um. Spotify that just hates my openings and the way I yell and he really, really wants Nathan to get rid of me. Um, so shout out. What's up, brother or sister? I think it's a, a special <laughs> shout
3: out to him. Yeah, it's because I, he,
2: he left another comment on our last episode about that. and it, It's very similar. I have a feeling I know who it is. Hmm. Uh, that that's hiding behind this thing for what reason I don't know. They could just be themselves, but anyway, shout out to you. So uh, also uh, back with us after um, she she done got married, got hitched, is enjoying the hell out of the outdoors, and she decided to go back in the weight room and not just lift but dominate.
0: Oh my gosh! Yes, we're let's let's a about- domination to my OnlyFans DJ, not for cab consumption. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and uh, check out uh, Leah's Linktree for her OnlyFans, <laughs> and you can watch her lift in the gym, and uh, I think they had to order more weights at that place. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, welcome back, Primetime.
0: Yes, thank you. It's so nice to be back. Took a little hiatus, enjoy domestic bliss and the honeymoon, but um, I left my Sasquatch husband for the evening, came back indoors, and I'm ready to rant.
2: Nice. <laughs> Do you know you were the inspiration for this episode?
0: Really? You I don't even rant. What, how did I do this?
2: That's, that's why. Exactly. Nathan, we were having a conversation one day. Nathan and I do these phone calls where we call them the state of the onion. Um, <laughs> and it's kind of modeled after uh, when right after high school, we turned a sort of uh, a place where you would place lawnmowers in someone's backyard. And, and we made it into a bar room and called it the onion club um so I, it's like called, the
0: predecessor to bohemian grove huh yes,
2: yes watch out <laughs> slippery slope yeah yeah um and so he goes you know what i've never heard leah rant um uh, we we need to get an episode where we can hear her rant we need to just, antagonize her so i just poke the, no there just a little bit he just he wants to hear what you think about the phenomenon is that nathan am i putting absolutely. that i just like oh. listening to her absolutely okay So that, so yes, you're the inspiration, as they say in Portuguese, where my wife's from. (laughs) Um, uh, You're the inspiration for this episode. So uh, without further ado, Nathan, what order, do you want to start with prime time and then go the other direction, then go Debs, you and myself, or how do you want to do it? Whichever way you feel led, it's fine with me. Okay. All right. So uh, Nathan, I'll have the timer. Um, You got five minutes to let yourself be heard. Oh, and um and then we'll who's all get to come. It, oh you know what Bef- before before you're gonna go first but before we do okay. that i want to say a special shout out to matt um uh, matt and 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 also frank but matt it's been hey how's it going mick you should be in bed right now but but thank you for being here again um and hi who's our? oh Nikki, Nikki, hi Nikki. uh props uap med that's what's up Um, But I want to say a shout out to Matt Um, Dealing with difficult stuff right now But we love Matt And uh, we hope that uh, he will rejoin us soon It's all he can do to keep his episodes going On Bigfoot Crossroads Um, Frank, uh, also over in the UK Is burning the midnight oil And I think everybody here knows How much Frank loves UAP and the phenomenon For him to not be doing his show Uh, Tells you that he's really busy, especially when Grush Mm -hmm. happened. I was like, this is going to be a, you know, a a sea change. He's going to come back on air and he hasn't just because he's that busy. So one love to Mike and Frank. And uh, with that primetime, you have the floor for five minutos.
0: Oh man, five minutes! I have a little oh, bit of performance anxiety here. We'll see how long I can actually last, or might go might go off a little too hot too soon. Um, but yeah, so when you when you reached out to me, DJ, about this idea, what immediately came to mind is something at the heart of like um, I would say my entire digital experience, which is this question of information literacy. And I bring this up because we've watched a lot of different emerging narratives, stories coverage uh, the last few weeks, the last few months, the last couple of decades about the phenomenon, about aliens, ETs, UAP, psi phenomena, any sort of fringe or like paranormal style subject. Um, and already, I think that um, most people or generally are lacking like the toolkit. the experience to be able to sort of intelligently assess information. And I think especially now when we're in an environment where we're increasingly encountering huge amounts of generated media, um, the need to be informationally literate becomes increasingly important. So when we have all this generated media content, which is generated through AI, um, we have not just text content, but we also have rich media. So things like videos, audio, music pictures, images, Um, there's just enormous volumes of content. And anyone who's used Google recently to do a search understands that Google itself doesn't even work that well anymore because programmatic content's basically taking over the internet and completely crowding out and overshadowing any kind of legitimate information. So I say all this to say that um, even now, at the start of when this generated content is starting to take over all of our media streams, it's almost impossible to discern authentic content from generated content. I bring this up, because I think it's really important around the subject of UAP and the phenomenon. When we're talking about like resources or things uh, that are provided as evidence of different experiences or sightings, this is usually transmitted over a digital channel. So you're getting a text message, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, Um, how, how, how do we collectively basically makes sense of what we're encountering and how do we think about it? Um, And the reality is that for so many people, their desire to believe or their sort of emotional attunement or entrenchments with the subject completely overrides any sort of reasonable or logical rationale for why they may believe something or not believe something. Um, And this keeps coming back to what's at the heart of my view on this subject and about the people involved in this subject, which is I'm much less concerned and preoccupied with what people think than I am with how people think. Um, I'm much more interested in why people believe what they do, how they understand it, how they contextualize it and frame it than in the actual conclusions that they say that they've reached. Um, and I think that especially when we're talking about like what's kind of colloquially called the low information zone, when we're talking about things that are not reproducible in a laboratory setting that aren't measurable, that kind of exist on the fringe of science or of culture as we know it, and are also populated, quite frankly, by a number of charlatans and bad actors, like having a really strong built-in shockproof BS detector is the best thing that we can have as individuals and collectively in order to make sense of the world around us and about our own experience experiences. Um, And I think having a well-defined sense of how we discern truth from fiction um, outside of our own emotional responses and preoccupations is going to be critical if we're to have this subject taken seriously and move forward uh, with it. And I mean, right now, like the world's paying attention, right? The world is watching this subject. And the best thing we can do in general as stewards of the subject and stewards of this area is to demonstrate that we are able to discern and ascertain Um, in an intelligent fashion, what we believe to be true and what we believe is not true or may be promulgated by bad actors in this space. It does none of us favors. It doesn't do the subject any favor when we just wholesale believe every single thing that's presented to us through every single uh, video or channel. So that's my rant. My rant is basically about the sort of intellectual responsibility we have in and around this subject, both for ourselves and for a community. Um, and, you know, the desire that I have to see other people basically take the the more complex and nuanced path, which is having a sense and being willing to agree with or uh, believe certain things based on not necessarily evidence, but based on like logical reason conclusions, rather than just whatever the most popular person of the day happens to be saying is true. So it's about four and a half minutes. Sorry, Boom. thank you. Thank you, Prime. <laughs> she, she, yeah, yeah, she
1: had time to spare. That was great. Fantastic. Yeah,
2: she did. Um, that. That. So we'll go in a in the same circle. You know, I'll I'll react to it, Nathan, then Deb's, and then and then uh, Deb's will go. Um, you know, I I find that uh, very uh, interesting, and I find it uh, to be a very reasoned view. My question in response to that, because and when I was listening to it, I was really like, wow, this is like a big part of the point that I was gonna make so so that was cool that we're you know it's you know cool for me that I think like Leah but um what I would say to you is what does a bad actor look like that doesn't believe anything as opposed to the you know the 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 you, you talked about the charlatans that are you know promulgating information and people are buying it what does a bad actor look like who is sort of uh, deriding people who actually mm-hmm. have experienced something real, seen something real, etc.
0: Yeah, for me, um, at the heart of it is um, first, for me, huh, frankly, is are they making declarations or are they asking good questions? Because someone who doesn't have any meaningful belief but is willing to be open and ask good questions, like thoughtful questions, non-leading questions, I think um, should be kept in the conversation, have a seat at the table, right? Um, but when we're talking about people that just issue um, these like bloviating polemics um, or um, opinions um, without like deeply considering the associated information, that to me is not uh, compelling. And that's th- those are the people that I generally try to Uh, personally not involve myself with, like people whose minds are already made up. Right,
2: because I was saying that people that start with the premise that nothing is real, nothing we've seen is real, they haven't proven anything, everything's fake. And so Mm -hmm. they'll approach someone who has either seen something, either knows information about something that has quite a bit of backing, uh, Mm -hmm. but you can't prove it. None of this can you prove. If yeah. I, like I've said, if 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 Rush were to have shown you a full motion video uh, or he would have shown you a photograph of a non-human uh, a craft that was uh, derived from non-human intelligence, you would say, oh, well, that's fake. You know that yeah, that's people what, wouldn't
0: believe it anyway.
2: They wouldn't believe it anyway. So there right. is no proof. So for those people, the only proof is they physically walk up to it, touch it, go inside it and see this, the the creature alive. And that's not going to, so that's a standard that there is never going to be met. So that mm-hmm. that's the reason why I ask you that question. Let me go on to uh, Money Nathan. Uh, excuse me. Yeah, Money Nathan, please.
1: That was an amazing rant. Uh, thank you for bringing that tonight. Really enjoyed it. Uh, so a few things, <laughs> I just took some notes there while you were chatting, because I just was like resonating what you were saying. You know, the fact that we live in a time when we are saturated by noise. Uh, We are are not swimming in an environment where there's a lot of signal, or at least it's very hard to discern that. Uh, The fact that you pointed out, it's it's key to recognize our biases, right? That we need to make sure that those are front and center, part of our thinking process when we're evaluating a claim, where am I leaning before I even begin that evaluation process, right? I loved what you said. Absolutely love this phrase, and I want to steal it. Stewards of the subject—that uh, is mm-hmm. so beautiful, and it resonates with me uh, very deeply. The other thing that I, I, I really liked what you said here, kind of getting at the immune system and response of the UFO community, like because if, if our immune system isn't good, is if it's poor, when mm-hmm. when when poor information enters into the body, we we're we're ill-equipped to to attack it and to you know and to neutralize that. that. Yeah. We can't, Mm -hmm. we can't get it out. Right. So we have to really be good about increasing our immunity to BS essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, But really what I want you to talk about, so it's kind of where I felt like you landed and you maybe it was where you began to some degree, but, and I know this is really important to you. And it's the issue of authenticity. And I want to understand from your perspective, how can we foster authenticity in the environment that we that we traffic in right now in, in this mm-hmm. current day and age? How do we enhance authenticity in a time when when we just aren't good at it and the tools that we use actually make it hard?
0: Sure, that's a, that's a great question. Um, authenticity, <laughs> it's, so it's such a good question. And it's like, right? I mean, anyone who knows me outside of like CAB or INS or whatever knows that this is like at the core of something that's spiritually and personally and intellectually so important to me. Um, you know, I, I think there's there's three things, I think, at the heart of cultivating and curating an environment that encourages and supports authenticity. The first is um, the self-inventory encouraged to show up vulnerably ourselves, right? There are plenty of things that I've talked about, that I've shared, that I've worked on publicly that have left me open to all kinds of insults, attacks, harassment, whatever. But the reality is that, like... Um, the more you show up as a vulnerable person, the more it also gives people permission to show up vulnerably. Um, And I think that there's a lot of power in that. The second thing um, that I think encourages and helps cultivate vulnerability is having a demonstrated path of contrition and reconciliation in a subculture, in a community. So basically when And if somebody makes a misstep or screws up, it's clear that if they own that and take accountability for it, that there's a path back, that it's not like eternal exile, right? So that also uh, gives people the space to screw up and show up vulnerably uh, and not be afraid of making mistakes. Um, And then I think the third thing is um, listening to people and acknowledging when they're showing up in a way that seems deeply authentic. Um, and, and not being afraid to call it out and recognize it uh, in other people, because I think a lot of people, especially in areas of vulnerability, especially when they're trying to show up authentically, they want to know that they're seen. And recognizing and acknowledging people's presence and their own experiences, I think, is also a very powerful cultivator for um, authenticity. Damn. Yeah. Go get it, girl. I've been, I've been saving it up for a few weeks. <laughs> yeah, man, we're so glad to have oh, you Oh, Nathan, front-time. you're muted.
1: Boom, there we go. I was saying amazing things, you just didn't hear it. So I just wanted to summarize your three points there because I, I mean, re- repeat them because I was want to make sure I don't forget them. So vulnerability, a path for reconciliation and, uh, th- and being present, basically being present to people, uh, maybe radically so, or maybe radically so for all of those three things. Um, mm-hmm. Just absolutely beautiful. Thank you for sharing that.
0: Thanks, Nathan. Okay. What's so, up,
3: Debs? So, yeah, so I took down some notes and I agree that research on this issue has become quite muddied. If you go on Google, you just basically end up getting the same UFO picture over and over at this point. <laughs> like, we know which one it <laughs> How is. How many
0: Stolen Meyer's pictures can we get? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not, <I'm> not <laughs> going to
3: say which one it is. The media really. Um, helps that problem they copy each other they do copy and paste journalism and just write the same article over and over and really bury other pieces of information that you have to basically find through the back door at this point um i I think with this problem, one thing I would strongly recommend is people take breaks from social media. Um, Sometimes I also like to go to a counterpoint, like I will go look at someone who has totally different views from me just because it'll either reaffirm or change some things for me rather than just going to the easy route and find the people who just say the things I want them to say. Um, And I also you know, think that this subject is one that the stewards should be more careful with a hundred percent. Um, there's a lot of people who are content creators or bloggers who clearly don't do the research and it's actually pretty easy to get Mm -hmm. caught up. I did very quickly. Um, in my opinion, it's easy to do that. Um, you don't have to read, you know, you can, uh, just watch some good documentaries or, you know, uh, You can ascertain what's going on actually on social media very quickly. Like, I, you know, I was like, just give the UFO community a couple days on the aliens and we're going to find out. And sure Mm -hmm. enough, like all the data was pulled together in a couple days, right? Um, So I think it's okay to step back and just kind of see all the pieces and let them come together. Um, And it's our responsibility to do that at times. Um, I think it's OK and human to speculate, which we often do on this show, because we're curious and speculating does inspire more thoughts. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. But I've seen shows where people clearly do not know the history on this subject. And I don't understand their motivation at that point for doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I think it's damaging. So those are some of my two cents on that
2: there's a lot of motivation for people to come on air in hopes of gaining a certain amount of fame, if you want to call Mm -hmm. it that. And if you are somebody who is chasing really, really chasing subscribers and advertisers and likes and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, donations, uh, financial donations, then you can get into that space. We've chosen, we're, and we don't, uh, decry people there, there are a lot of different motivations, uh, for getting those donations. Some people, they're just a lot of people watching them and why not? And they want to donate to their channel. But, um, uh, but yeah, that's what you were asking. Why some people are seemingly haven't done, you know, the work that you've done, Deb, or researched the topic significantly, but yet they're doing a show. And really it's a lot about, I want to come on air and validate myself by how many people mm-hmm. come in the chat. Uh, we've had shows where we've had six people in the chat and we've had an amazing conversation. And we've gotten together on Signal after and go, man, what an awesome show that was. I just love Like, I'm thinking like Nicole when we had the paranormal lady from San Diego. And it, what an amazing, there was hardly anybody to listen. But man, we love that conversation. And we love Nicole. Mission accomplished for Cab. So, anyway, uh, Deb, it's your turn to present your topic, my friend.
3: Okay, so I actually did this a little differently. I'm just going to say all the things that are bothering me, and some of them (laughs) are questions. Um, So this is going to take a minute. Okay, here we go. First of all, it's almost a little bit of a counter to what we were just talking about, but I do feel that sometimes the UFO community is treated like idiots. Um, For instance, we constantly get reports from the government telling us what UFOs aren't. Our UFO reports are often showing pictures of balloons and other objects. And frankly, we live on the same planet as the people who created the reports. We're not idiots. Most of the community is actually intellectual. We do know that there are balloons. We are also aware that there are drones and there are foreign adversaries that might be trying to mimic UFOs. Again, we're not idiots. Um, I also wanted to comment that it seems like people are just always um pointing out that we should be talking to experiencers as if it's a new and novel concept and it seems (laughs) like the weirdest thing to me like why would you not have started there (laughs) you know like maybe talk to people who have seen these objects um and again that goes to the treatment of experiencers and how often people treat them like idiots like they don't know the difference between a plane and an object they can't identify we live on the same planet as these other people, guys. We know what planes look like. Um, I wanted to comment that it I've said, why do scientists feel like they need um, to blame social media um, and NASA for what's happening when they are obviously... Other groups, besides what they called the fringe group today in the NASA conference, um, that would like to see them stop, including foreign adversaries who are interested in this topic, and robots. But yet they felt like they needed to throw the fringe group under the bus. Um, That's what they called us. Um, Ah. I I said, why do we continue to act like UFOs are weird? What makes us (laughs) think that way when we ourselves are building very unusual space bearing and deep sea diving craft. And we have a helicopter on Mars. I don't understand why we continue to make this such a strange concept. And like, we're so averse to it. I also wrote down, um, why can't people say it might be a typical object and not be afraid to admit that? Like, why can't we rule out some of the other objects it could be? I think it's, It doesn't do us um, any good to pretend that there aren't drones. Um, I said, why do people characterize PTSD as an issue that would cause people to lie or be incorrect? When there's people all over the planet right now suffering from PTSD due to the pandemic and their service. I also said, why do I still have toilet paper? If the Mexican (laughs) government had demonstrated to the world that they had real alien bodies, which of course I cannot claim that they are, why do I still have toilet paper if it's true that we can have a mass hysteria experience? Why did people continue to go to work, continue to pay their bills without any difficulty whatsoever? Life continued. So I think that the fear uh, narrative that people have been using since, you know, the beginning is pretty false. And I think we need to get over that. Um, and that was also perpetuated by the war of the world's alleged, uh, radio broadcast, uh, panic, which actually was overstated by the media considerably. Um, they did it to sell newspapers. <laughs> okay. That was why they did that. Um, fear seems to be a major source of uh, sensationalism for newspapers. Um, and speaking of the media, I'm really tired of people saying the media is not really involved in this because they are in fact involved in this. They have, have uh, news editorials on it. They have articles on this. Um, I don't understand what people are seeing differently than me. <laughs> so um, it's a little confusing. But, um, We are clearly making weapons that are identical to these objects at this time. An article was just put out, I think it was today or yesterday about Russia wanting to make um, EM weapons. Uh, AHI, also known as Havana syndrome, indicates that we're making weapons that are similar and yet people are brushing that under the rug because they wanna just talk about aliens. And this is a serious concern that I don't think should be brushed under the rug. And in the 1970s, the CIA dropped 500 files. Um, The Washington Post did an article on this, and yet people are acting very surprised like all of this only came out in 2017 with the article in the New York Times. Um, So I feel like, again, this is an example of people not doing their research and people just putting blinders on. The issue of talking about UFOs and the government involvement goes well beyond what people are seeing, (laughs) like the issue is something deeper that people don't want to talk about this. Um, They're afraid to talk about this. Um, Why do experiencers have to be guinea pigs in this subject? Why do they always have to be researched? Why can't they just talk about their experiences? Why, Why is the... Well, what is it, like 60 years of research that's been accumulated since um, the first abductions were reported? Why is that not a sufficient amount of research at this point? Um, Why do we only protect people who believe in religion in this country and not protect people who believe in UFOs? Deb, Um, I yielded
2: a minute of my time, but you're now over six. Okay, I'll stop. I I yield a minute of, i I couldn't get in. I yield a minute of my time to the Senator from Maryland. It was a fabulous yeah. tour de
1: force. I loved it. Yes, it was. i have so like, many
3: more.
2: And you go first, uh Leah, on your reaction to that, please, ma'am.
3: Yeah, uh,
0: so my my reaction one, uh, as I was saying in the green room before. It's capitalism, Deb. <laughs> um, why do we allow for and experience the bizarre in a very, in very specific circumstances? Right, like we allow for billionaires' science fiction dreams to be considered part of the legitimate zeitgeist, but we don't have a more broad experience or more broad acceptance of experiences of the numinous, right? Um, and I'm with you. Like I agree. I think that the media and its narratives uh, are fundamentally shaped what's considered to be appropriate and acceptable uh, among, you know, the general population. Um, and, and I and I think the other thing too, uh, what brought to mind is like when they when we hear about the breakdown of like oh people with PTSD uh, they lie they do whatever like what kind of universe are people living in? Do they think everyone, everywhere, doing everything on the planet are completely fully functional, non-traumatized, total A-emotional robots and automatons? Like- (laughs) everybody everywhere has their own stuff right and like tons of different professionals tons of different people who are all making life or death major policy world health technological decisions all the time and to suddenly decide that like one very treatable very manageable mental like brush with acute mental illness somehow completely delegitimizes everything somebody has to say to me is like not only um, totally absurd. It's just a, a general sign of sort of the derision that the subject is treated with. Um, so, yes, everything as you're going down your list, I was like making notes and thinking, yes, 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 this is exactly right. Like, how are people thinking about this? Um, and we you know one of the things I would want to ask is when you think about like like, if you could wave a magic wand, what would you want the an experiencer's experience to be like when recounting what has happened with them?
3: Yeah, I definitely want Great them question. to not have secondary trauma because mm-hmm. people laugh at them or tell them they're insane. I want them to feel safe in talking about what happened with them. And mm-hmm. I don't want them to feel like they have to have the same experience as someone else, which pushes some people to some uh, how do I put this (laughs) complaberation? You know, like Mm -hmm. they just, they just add some things because they feel like they have to have the same experience as someone else. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's not always the case. In fact, most of the people I've spoken to have different experiences. Um, and I think the, the biggest part for me is I want people to normalize it and realize this is just part of the human experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: And Nathan, forgive me. I I think I went the wrong direction. I think I was supposed to go to you, for that one, and then me, and then Leah. But go ahead and yeah, and all, go for it, man.
1: All good, right? I mean, Dad, that was uh, just straight fire. Was amazing. Uh, you know, we we just um, we don't make space for the absurd. Uh, the absurd makes us uncomfortable. Um, and that to me speaks to the poverty of our own. Inner development, our our own uh, inner capacities uh, to evaluate uh, how we are uh, in the world. You know what what that inner experience is like, and then mapping it on to everyone else because everyone also has an inner experience. And being authentic, back to what uh, Leah was saying, is that you know this this authenticity that is bold and uh, relentless in, in allowing us to be human beings and, and complicated people. Uh, you know This is really important. And I think we have flattened uh, the human experience. Uh, almost we pulverized it into a dust and, uh, and we atomized it in a way, right? And so the only things that we can analyze under a microscope, those are the only things that matter in the world that we live in. Um, I love that you said something about secondary trauma. I think that, um, think about how many experiences that we all have been through in our lives that we, that we want to share with someone or we need to share with someone to feel validated. And when we are met with secondary trauma, like that, that's not okay to feel that way or have that experience, or I don't want to deal with that. You're making me uncomfortable. You know, that, that just amplifies that, that experience that, that you had, you relive it in a new way. You're basically traumatized. It's just in secondary traumatized again. Um, so anyway, right on dad, that was just fabulous. Fantastic.
3: Thank you. I do think that, um, the concept of the absurd goes both ways. We have to accept the absurd more openly, but we also have to accept reality more openly. And that's one of the things I was trying to get across. We can't be afraid to have those conversations.
2: And I I want to just respond to what Nathan said. And now you see what my issue is with the debunk crowd is because people will come on a space or they'll post something about their experience that they cannot prove to you. It is not possible for them to prove it to you. And someone will make them feel less than and like they're full of shit. And generally, we don't we don't cuss a lot on this podcast, but that's what pisses me off because they can't prove it to you. It's their experience; they're telling it to you. Take it in, see what you can learn from it, and leave it lay. I don't I don't buy every experience that I've ever been told by somebody. I've, you know, there are some that I thought were complete BS there would, I would say would be in the minority, but then, you know, I mean, Matt can tell you from the Bigfoot world ones that he's thought so, but you, you can't approach people that way. And this is my beef about the debunk crowd is because they get people like Max and other people really, really frustrated uh, when they, when they attack them for sharing what their experience is. So uh, with that, um, Deb, your rant was as beautiful, uh, as you are, uh, as a person, uh, because yes, ma'am, because you care about people, which is what your, your game here is, is to get people ready for something that we've been told by many, many people is something's going to happen. There's going to be some sort of an appearance, uh, that is not refutable and, to get people ready that that's going to happen and not to go out and buy all the toilet paper. But for those of you who have a bidet, I salute all of you because it's not only very sanitary, but it also uh, reduces your need for toilet paper. Um, So, uh, but I do agree with what you say. The mental part of this is very important. And one of our goals here, I think one of the reasons that we think you fit here and you think you fit here amongst cab is that, we do uh, l- let people come on here and tell of their experiences without judging them and putting them to a prove-it-to-me standard, which we know they cannot meet, particularly when if we were, and we're not, but individuals who had already decided that they're all fake anyway, and that everybody's a charlatan. So, um, so thank you for caring about the community and you know, basically making all of us look better because we're in your company. Uh, you know what I mean? Even if I'm not <laughs> the person that you are, <laughs> uh, a, a lot of your positive qualities I don't possess, but uh, I get to be uh, part of your group. So um, thank you for all that. And I do agree with you. As far as the the foreign governments, uh, unfortunately, uh, I think Jay King talked about this with Martin the other night. It's really unfortunate that um, some of the uh, uh, foreign governments, when they have something happen, just like uh, in Peru a few weeks ago, immediately they don't have the credibility that we have. And that's not fair. The English speaking countries, if the Brits were to have a press conference or something like that, the whole world would pay attention or us. But then, oh, you know, it's some country and, you know, it's El Salvador. So, you know, it, it's probably not true. Those people, you know, they're they're not as credible as us, which is obviously complete bunk right there. Uh, of course they are. Uh, their experiences are every bit as valuable and, and uh, t- true. I mean, we've heard of uh, foreign uh, country South American fighter pilots that have had interactions, uh, Brazil and others. So uh, anyway, thank you, Debs.
3: Yeah, I 100 percent agree. You and I have spoken before about how people were responding to James Fox's conversations with people in Brazil and I was extremely offended that people were just going with, oh, they must be ignorant. And I'm like, why? Sure. Because they speak Portuguese. Why? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, oh, it, please explain there's, to me how, how there any difference.
0: <laughs> there's this really crazy kind of orientalism associated with Central and South America where It's like, you know, the dark jungles where strange things happen and everyone's indigenous and there's none of the like trappings of modernity. And I think that in turn that makes people uh, assume like all these like kind of false assessments and sort of like cultural tropes around it make people like think oh you know nobody down there is modern they can't think about anything they don't have the kind of discernment that we have it's really crazy right yeah yeah (laughs) they
2: they they, i mean they just don't know these people don't know i mean when when i saw craft as a 14 year old i mean what i'm what i'm seeing i'm seeing something and i was just you know your normal kid who just loved airplanes and helicopters and had had a chance to go up in both at least once um and i'm just like man that that's a damn UFO. I mean, that does not look like an airplane. What I'm seeing here. I mean, it wasn't even moving laterally or forward and aft when it when it rose above the tree line and then started to float over by James Iandoli's crib. Uh, <laughs> so, anyway, uh, enough with that. Nathan, it's your turn, sir. Okay. Uh, all right. Hold on. Let me get ready here.
1: All right. So you know, um, you know when you get that uh, when you when you open that box. And it's got the silvery, uh, almost like metallic bag inside. And you try to open it. And then like the bag just like, psh, like it doesn't open cleanly. I just mm-hmm. hate that. That's all I got.
2: Potato chips. Like, and just then they're, they're all over the floor. And you have that's to not, pull so like hard that. at that seam. And then I just thing hate you know,
1: like, it. I mean, we've all been there. You try to open that bag. And it just... Stochastic chips. Right. Exactly. Just explodes. Yeah. Uh, all right. That wasn't it. So I channeled my. Uh, Inner Dr. Seuss for this one. So it's not, uh, it's not as amazing as what you've already heard. Uh, But I had fun writing it. So indulge me, if you will. Disclosure isn't coming. Not on the White House lawn, not at dusk, nor at dawn, there will be no podium speech to please, there will be no alien hand to squeeze. Stop waiting for a tour of their craft. No walkthrough of a tic-tac cigar sphere or raft. Disclosure isn't coming for you or for me. Disclosure isn't coming from on high or from beneath. No photo will please you or serve as the best. There will be no acknowledgement video straight from Mick West. You won't (laughs) witness it being unwrapped like a box, nor will you be satisfied by the next vid from James Fox. No, disclosure won't be revealed like some magic hat trick, nor will it be read dryly by Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick. I hate to let you down and leave you feeling crushed, but disclosure won't arrive on an ATV driven by Dave Grush. No, my friends, you will never have disclosure to put you at ease because that which you seek is merely a ruse and a tease. But don't be sad or take what I'm saying literally because some of these things will indeed come to pass one day in high fidelity. However, all these titillations are just spectacles and not the real thing, for true disclosure comes when we let go of grasping. So sit back and relax. Do not despair or rage. Just learn to be, to release, and to play on the grand stage. For disclosure will not come to those who plead, but rather to all willing to give up their relentless need.
0: Woo! Oh my God, it's Dr. Seuss and a Zen Cohen Woo! all together. Oh my goodness. Okay, so this
2: is why, like, you feel like getting Nathan on your show, it was almost like when the Lakers got Anthony Davis and they had to give up first and second round draft picks like that I think go out to like twenty twenty seven. It's the last time they have to give some up to New Orleans. Nathan, that was absolutely amazing. Um, you know, and you're so smart because you've you've been you've been speaking a lot lately. You and EXO have done a lot of contextualizing about the nature of the phenomenon from all angles, from grush to um, you know, experiences that Darren's had to Uh, the conscious aspect of it to the political and, and, and uh, legal uh, aspects that are going on up in the hill. So you very smartly put something together that was not going to be a reiteration. Uh, But that was, I I mean, let's like just drop the microphone and and go. So thank you so much. Uh, And there was so much in there. That's right. You know, people talk about the White House lawn. I, I'd have to ask like the Anjali's and maybe the Darren's, but well, first of all, Nathan has, has Darren ever, you know, alluded to, it? I don't know that they, that the phenomenon, at least that communicate with him or others know what the white house lawn is or care. <laughs> I could be totally wrong about that. Sure.
1: Yeah. Is it a Bermuda? Is it a, uh, I don't know what kind of grass it is, but uh, it's,
2: I, it's gotta it's be a Bermuda. It's gotta yeah, be like the softest, yeah. like, you know, like a golf green, just lush. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, do you think they're aware of who the political leaders are? What is your Mm. take on that? Uh, I mean, sure.
1: Yeah, I think that uh, there's an awareness of the kind of human dynamics and power struggles and all those kinds of things. Because I think that they, uh, from all I can tell, understand us fairly well, Um, Hmm. you know, um, maybe, maybe intimately in a way, because they are, you know, in some ways part of who we are.
2: So... So you think they would know where to go if they wanted to uh make some sort of an impact? They know the that where the heads of state reside.
1: Well, I guess I'm I'm arguing in this rant that uh that that's not really what it's about, you know. Right. That um that that we have an incessant sort of need to to want to hold on to it, you know, like I I've got disclosure right here, boom, we're done. And uh, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, it's just just Went like <laughs> I think folks just need to sit for a second and and like just literally go through the thought experiment. You know, okay, I get the thing, whatever it is, whatever it is. Everyone's got a thing. I want the I get the thing that I want. What next,
0: mm-hmm. Leo? Oh, man, there's so much I could say about this. Um, so, Nathan, my very first interaction with you, I think, was I had written a Twitter thread that basically was about how we can only, like, asymptotically approach disclosure. It's never actually achieved, right? It's a process and not an event. Um, and I, I say that because um, everything you just said, yes. Um, and, and also um I'm with you where I think that this grasping that happens right This like this sort of um grasping which to me speaks to an almost infantile obsession with like black and white realities and definitions um when the the truth is that reality in any meaningful sense is far more complex and nuanced and sophisticated and far outside the bounds of any sort of parameters or rules that we could foist upon it using human mind. Um, Like it, it, it becomes that people become so preoccupied with satisfying some checklist criteria that they sort of lose sight of the entire subject or the entire sort of um depth and breadth of what they're chasing down Um, and and i also think uh pursuant to what we were talking about earlier um there's um it, it reminds me of that line there are none so blind as those who will not see right And this idea of like, there's literally, for a lot of people, there's literally nothing that could ever conceivably convince them of anything beyond just like strict (laughs) material reality. Like literally nothing could happen to them. They had an experience that rated off as some sort of like brain aberration or a seizure or something. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that we're at a criticality with so many different competing things, whether the climate, AI, technology, pandemics, whatever, And like with all of these competing issues and then this big, enormous issue or subject kind of at the heart of it, which is like, how alone are we really Mm. through these trials and and processes? Um, I don't know. I I, I apologize if I'm a little scattered, but it felt like you touched on so many different things at the heart of this, but ultimately that like um, if we're only trying to satisfy this checklist about what constitutes disclosure, we're not asking the right questions about the subject. Yeah. If that's all it comes
2: down to. Bingo. I was gonna say, Leah, thank you so much for doing that, because you were able to listen and extract everything that Nathan was meaning while you know some of us were having a laugh and just loving the rhymes and the way that he pieced it together. But uh, you just showed, you know, one of your your talents, you know, which make you a first round draft pick, also. Um, oh, thank so. You, Jay. <laughs> Um, so anyway, uh, what I want to say before, uh, Debs goes real quick is those of you who put something in the chat after Debs goes, uh, goes and speaks about Nathan's commentary, I'll go ahead and go through the chat and we can read some of those and then I'll do mine, which will be, you know, very deflating compared to the others that you've heard tonight. So, uh, go ahead, Debs, please.
3: Okay, I wrote her a little poem in response.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I I read some damn books. Let's go. Roses
3: are red, tall Nordics are blonde. (laughs) (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) UFOs flew. I'm having so much fun tonight. Let me start, I'll start over. UFOs flew over the Capitol. Obama spoke on TV about them, and Trump said, Hmm, Roswell. Alizondo said, they're probably not men, but it's never enough for the skeptical audience. Mm. Providing pics is tough, but the truth will come to all of us.
0: Mm.
3: Love it.
1: love it, Deb. <laughs> I dig Thank it. You. Beautiful.
3: <laughs> oh, Deb, man. How the hell are you
2: going to write a poem during an episode? Just cranking out you, gold girl. here. I love it. She yeah. is, man. Um, so let's go through a couple of these right here. Uh, let's put this up on the screen so uh, Money Nathan can read it. Go ahead, brother.
1: Okay. Yeah. So, uh, post traumatic. Thank you, uh, Nikki Eisenhower. So, post traumatic stress is a normal psychoimmunological response. It can disorder one's life, but it can spur growth too. Love that. And yes, yeah, secondary trauma is no bueno. Mm-hmm.
2: Yep. Uh, thank you. Um, yeah, you know lately I've got to listen to some uh, some people who have had uh, PTSD uh, on the military side and they're not the only ones by the way. There are a lot of people that have had PTSD from a lot of uh, different events in life. Uh, it's not uh, just people who wore uniform. So um, yeah, I'm so glad that people like Debs are there and uh, um, we are one of the things that we're proud of most proud of, um, is that Nathan has spoken on the phone with people from, uh, from UFO Twitter that have reached out and were not feeling well about something that had to do with their experience. I have, and Deb has, um, on not just on one occasion, <laughs> on several occasions, each and for Deb, many more than that. So, um, you know, we're happy to do that. And people know that, uh, mm-hmm. that they can reach out to me, they can DM me on Twitter and, think they, they can uh, they can call me as well uh not that i'm you know some, i'm not deb <laughs> but i'm certainly there to listen to anybody i'm, I'm just a meathead leah's
0: um, also
1: a very good listener i just want to point out
2: yeah
0: right i've talked to tons of experiencers some of my closest friends are experiencers so okay. my um my reputation as a deep skeptic is
2: <laughs>
0: go, go, I hopefully know. hopefully you're voting i, yeah, I, I, think, I think
2: being a, a skeptic is 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 good i think nathan's a skeptic uh i think we're all you know skeptical it's i think there's a there's a line there when it gets to the dishonesty <laughs> uh and it comes from a there's place bad of bad faith exactly you know yeah, just like I, bad faith yeah that, that maybe comes from a place of fear that i i can't accept this because it's going to change how I view the universe that I live in. And therefore, mm-hmm. I can never go there. So I'm going to execute X, Y, and Z on people that say, hey, this happened to me that that that's a yeah. different that's not being a skeptic. You know, no, um, I, I come from a, a background of, of skeptics and, and my colleagues uh, in the military. But anyway, go ahead and read that one, uh, Debs.
3: Yep. Mike Andrews says he has been involved with fake cases in the past. The guy in Mexico, the Mexico hearing. I mean,
2: okay, fair enough. Uh, I I don't know the uh, uh, yesterday and today. I couldn't. I was kind of contacting Deb and Nathan to try to get a handle on the case. So I really, I really, I uh, really don't know. Um, so I'll I'll just take what uh, you guys you guys that have researched it. Leah, what's this one talking about here?
0: From Wiruna Farm. If I understand him correctly, he believes we may be interacted with by a non biological intelligence. Okay. And I think by
1: he, they mean Andrew Gallimore.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Andrew Gallimore's interview with Danny Jones last night. Wow. Yeah. He's onto something who's work on DMT. Yeah. Actually this is a prescient thing for me to read. I've interviewed Dr. Gallimore a couple of times and led a psychedelic book club where we read alien information theory, his work with DMTX, like these sustained like 30 plus minute DMT experiences, really fascinating stuff. Highly recommend checking it out. Um, I think, uh, Andrew Gallimore has like a very Marshall McLuhan-esque approach to the subject, in the sense that um, I don't think he necessarily believes everything he says about it, but I think he's um, very intellectually genuine when he explores the different ideas that DMT experiences present around consciousness and reality and idealism. Um, so if you're interested in him, definitely check out Alien Information Theory. Uh, The book's told it's like a work of art. It's really beautiful, but it's also really interesting in terms of what happens during a DMT experience.
2: And there was someone that I I don't know if it was Matt. Who was I telling you, Matt, uh, Nathan, that needed to speak with you? that didn't understand the context, like they thought that they were trying to understand the cross section of psychedelics if, and it, if it could make someone think they had an experience that they mm. didn't, was that Matt or was it someone else? I can't
1: recall, that? but I v- vaguely remember that, yes. But I mean, that's, a, 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 that's, that's something that I think common. a lot of people, you know, yeah. absolutely, That's that's a common, you know, thinking about it, so.
0: Yeah, yeah entity probably. encounters are super common in a number of psychedelics. Whether psilocybin, so, so DMT, ketamine, ayahuasca, you know, the so lines can get a little you, blurry.
2: Whomever you were, if you would contact me again, and we could put you in touch with Leah or Nathan to explain it, because I I, I just told them I haven't done enough research on it. I knew you guys have, <laughs> and I, I just don't, you I, could I, be I, you
0: I, don't have to be euphemistic. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I can't. I,
2: you know, when I don't, I'm not afraid to say. If, if there's things that I kind of have some expertise in or whatever, I'll talk about it. But I'm also happy to say, I you know, I just don't know about that. Uh, I just know a lot of people have tried it and have had some positive effects from it, life affirming, oh, uh, mind expanding, and and that's that's great. So Nathan, put put me on the the yes, clock here.
1: Hot seat. Here we go. Hold on. Yep. Uh, let me get you in the in the in the chair. Boom. Okay,
2: sir. So. Go. I'll see what I can. Uh, actually, I'll put the timer on myself just so that I know in case, if I if <laughs> come I come on. To a tick, second. tick,
0: tick. Come no, on, sorry, DJ. Precious <laughs> seconds. So,
2: <laughs> so, um, yeah. What I want to talk to you about is is kind of was something that that Leah spoke about, and it's about. Uh, being able to see a common set of facts and and evaluate it from what it is. None of this will be particularly new to Debs or Nathan that have heard me speak on this a lot, but using the idea of, of David Grush, and I think it, it, it pisses a lot of people off when they say, oh, he, you know, he's so highly cleared, and why should we believe him? He could be another government shill and all these sorts of things. And there are a lot of hierarchies that are built about sacrifice. Like, for example, if I were to ask Nathan— who, who would he admire more from an academic standpoint, myself or Dr. Masters, he would say Dr. Masters because he went through the sacrifice just from an – I'm not saying as a person. He went through the, the sacrifice to spend the amount of time it took him to earn a Ph.D. And we could say for Dr. kripel or any one of these people. And we all look at them and admire them because of the fact that they had a certain amount of sacrifice – that was greater than someone who earned a master's degree or a bachelor's degree um, to get that doctorate. And I have a friend who told me all about his trials and tribulations of getting a doctorate in sports medicine and how difficult. In fact, he was a former co-host before I turned from MMA over to uh, uh, to to calling all beings with Nathan. So um, so. It's the same in law enforcement. Why do people admire somebody who a local town cop admires a state trooper, a state trooper admires an FBI person? Because they know that the standard to get to those positions was much greater, just like the standard that... Dr. Masters is much more than me with a bachelor's degree, okay? And, and if you're in the FBI, well, this person's in the FBI counterterrorism unit. So all his colleagues go, wow, this guy went through a much a more rigorous process to become part of the FBI's counterterrorism unit than my local county sheriff right here in town, okay? So what, the sacrifice that Dave Grush made was that it's not just that he's a government guy with a clearance. It's a guy who had a position that was about $165,000 a year position as a GS-15, which is the top of the general schedule employee as a guy who hasn't even turned 40 yet. Uh, And there's a compounding retirement that goes to your your highest three years of pay, and they multiply by your years of service and all this sort of thing to calculate that what He he gave up by saying, I want to talk about illegalities and immoralities around the subject of hiding the phenomenon from the American people. So he's the opposite of what you think and why people can't see that he now doesn't have an Air Force Reserve Commission that also has an associated retirement. He now doesn't have a GS 15 job that I I can't imagine leaving that for UFOs. I just I just wouldn't do it. If I had that job, I would not do it. So you can think I'm an asshole because I wouldn't do it, but I wouldn't have left the job that he left over this topic of UFOs. I'm sorry. Uh, but he, he, he is that kind of hero that did that. And the fact that people can't see is sacrifice is not limited to a military guy. We just talked about an academia. We talked about law enforcement. You could, you could apply this to anything. Success is not uh, measured by someone other than yourself. I have a good high school friend who is a janitor at one of our elementary schools and just created a nature, a turtle and animal habitat within the school, uh, Buchanan for Plank Elementary School, that is incredible, that has inspired students and teachers. That is as great a value to me as anybody you can name that has a six-figure, or a seven-figure salary somewhere. Um, so we don't decide someone's success. They decide their, how successful they are. Okay, And so uh, I'm not trying to deify uh, Grush based on the fact that he's a government guy. It's just that he sacrificed an enormous amount to come forward with this. And as Leah said, people are unable to see that sacrifice for what it is and say, that adds credibility. Because Nathan, if somebody's just a talking head on Twitter, who just comes and throws your opinion out on Twitter and just attacks people and goes at people and say, "What have you given for this topic?" Yeah. I'm not hearing anything. Nada. What have you sacrificed for this topic? And that's what I'm hearing. And I
0: Silence? <laughs> <I'd>
2: Rush, <laughs> what have you sacrificed Holmes? Well, I gave up my GS-15 position that would have paid me for the rest of my life if I'm breathing or not, and that's not including his 401K at a 10% match, by the way. Mm. Not including that. Just his retirement. And his military retirement on top of that, if he so choose. <laughs> From the reserves. Now, reserves, you know, he would have had to work in, into his 60s, but some people do. You know, he's intel. It's not like he's dragging a backpack out in the field as an infantryman either. So uh, tremendous, tremendous sacrifice. And he gave up all of that because he felt it was necessary to come forward. And and he is in a very small... I mean, Lou Elizondo is, is in that same group, but uh, there's not a lot of people. So when people say that this person's a plant, I say, show me someone who sacrificed more.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Preach. Uh, Deb, I want you to go first on this one.
3: Okay, I have several things to say, of course. So first of all, I think it's extremely bizarre how often people in the UFO community say they want the government to give them answers. And then when someone from the government comes forward to give them answers, they immediately are like, no, we don't believe you. (laughs) So make up your mind, first of all, people who want answers from the government. Second of all, I think that people need to demystify the government. They don't understand that they are literally just people, people. just like everyone else who get paid, you know, and have a job. And when they sacrifice their job, it would be just like you sacrificing your job, although they actually probably get, well, <laughs> paid better than I do. Um you know, this might shock some people, but I did briefly work for the CDC, um, and I. Had... So you're a government
0: plant. Got it. Yeah, go- yeah, got it. Yeah.
3: <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, and my mother still works for the CDC, and um, my father worked in the Pentagon. And I happen to know that they are just really regular people okay so we need to demystify the government a little bit like but if people are coming forward who are sacrificing their jobs whether or not they're from the government you know there's they're not going to make a whole lot of money off the ufo game i assure you like that is not a money-making thing no one grows up and says i want to tell people i saw a ufo that's what my, my future job plan <laughs> you know um and also additionally i think you've forgot to mention another sacrifice that's pretty major. He sacrificed privacy. um, And that is not something I especially am willing to sacrifice, obviously, um, because I'm anonymous. So I think that people should really pay attention to the fact that that's a pretty major sacrifice. He's not someone that comes across as wanting to be a celebrity, you know, so um, I think that does lend to credibility, of course, as well.
2: Yeah, it's it, it's it's kind of like this, Nathan. If if you lost your job today and you were struggling, and I said, Nathan, you know what? I really care that something happened to you. Or I said, Nathan, you know what? Here is a two thousand dollar check for this month. What's the difference between those two things?
1: Hmm.
2: One thing is I my mouth moved, mm-hmm. and I said something with feeling. Yep. Another thing is I cut a check to you and and gave you $2,000. So you put your money where your mouth is. Everybody on UFO Twitter has a mouth. Not everybody has put their money where their mouth is. Mm -hmm. That is a club that belongs to Lou Elizondo and belongs to David Grush because they face the most amount of scrutiny and have given us the most information of anybody and have faced the most backlash as if they're liars. And that, to me, shows what, again, what Leah talked about, a lack of critical thought. And what it entails to combat this is the same thing it, it combats when you analyze the phenomenon. You have to dehumanize and try not to look look through your human lens because we don't know what the nature of these are. So when they're floating out there, can I say they're doing surveillance? maybe. I mean, that's how I look I would look at it if I'm just looking through it, my lens as a military guy. I could say that oh, yeah, that's ISR, but I don't know that. I don't know exactly what they're looking at or what they're trying to ascertain. So you have to try to have that open mind, say, I'm not really sure what's going on here, and just try to have fun hypothesizing about it without attacking somebody and attacking somebody's motives who. You're unable to critically see and think that this man went through a legal process and sacrifice, as Deb said, all the way down to his privacy, as our brothers and sisters in the UK <laughs> say. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Leah? Yeah.
0: Um, oh, man. There's uh, – as with all of these brands, um, yes, and um, – you know – Um. One of the things I say a lot, um, especially around the subject, because I think collectively the subject is prone to almost this like borderline reaction of everything being true, everything being false, this really black and white thinking. Um, one of the things I say about ufology and about many things is many things can be true all at once. And I say that because um, we are all Capable of critical thought. We are all capable of entertaining complex and sophisticated and nuanced ideas in our heads. And we can do a couple things at the same time. We can say, these are laudable individuals who gave up their retirements, who created or who sacrificed enormous personal privacy. And we can also say, yeah, the government has a history of not doing awesome things all the time. And we can say, uh, yes, I hear Lou Elizondo, or I hear David Grush. And you can also say, I don't really necessarily believe them, but I recognize their sacrifice, or I do believe them. And maybe I have some questions about some of the things they were involved with. We're all capable of having those kinds of nuanced considerations for the subject. But it feels like um, again, this goes back to, like, having good faith when engaging in the subject. There's so many bad faith actors in this space, people who are out for their own personal gain, their own celebrity, who refuse to engage with anything that is even remotely challenging or difficult or complicated, um, and who basically sell the subject in reductionist sound bites. They think that everything about the subject can be reduced to the length of a tweet or a meme, or like a stupid little graphic or cartoon. And the reality is that like, it does all of us a disservice when we do that, when we flatten the subject, when we treat it as all or nothing, when we treat it as black and white. And also when we refuse, like Deb said, to acknowledge that government actors, military actors, et cetera, are still at the end of the day, human beings. Um, and like every other human being are capable of both good and bad and complicated things because human beings are not all good or all bad we're all complicated Um, and so like I I think that you know kind of going like just to kind of close the loop on all the conversations here tonight and all the rants I I just think it's so important to make space personally and collectively for the variability in people's experience and background and views on the subject it doesn't do any of us any favors when we're like continually trying to flatten it out or paint people with broad brushstrokes as either good or bad or right or wrong
2: well there well first of all i mean uh uh for one thing my my most common refrain on the show is it's i don't I try to ask people, don't say it's this or that, say it could be this and that.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah.
2: Okay. So just to make it really, really broad, but a common thing when you're looking at whether someone's credible or not is goes back to, again, goes back to sacrifice. Anybody Mm -hmm. can say anything, but someone who says with me telling you, I don't know the nature of this. I don't know what this is. I'm just telling you, we have some of them Mm -hmm. and we've seen some of them and there's a lot of information about them that hasn't been shared with you, that's not saying, I know the nature of the universe. I know the nature of the phenomena. I know why they're here. I know what they're doing. I know how many types there are. I know where they reside. I know how they got here. He didn't say any of those things. He said, there's craft. They've come here, and we've picked them up. And critically thinking could say, anybody could say that, but someone who said, I gave up my livelihood to tell you that, is totally different than someone just saying those words. That's, there's just no question. Right, it's yeah. they like, then Gary like Nolan, UFO Gary Disclosure Nolan said,
0: 420 on Twitter saying, you know, whoa 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 whoa, 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 That's exactly, yeah,
2: that's what I'm saying. If Gary Nolan, I mean, he has sacrificed some to do this, but if he had to sacrifice his career as a research scientist and leave his vocation and what he's known for and where he's made his millions and that he loves for this first of all i already trust the guy a lot Mm -hmm. i mean i believe that he's what he's seen that he's just basically alluded to you know he he you know he's been very very careful i i believe the guy can you imagine if he said i had to give up my career at stanford over this (laughs) and my Mm -hmm. my labs and my businesses that's the gravity of what in the context of what Russian Elizondo did. Um, do I, is that saying you have to believe? No, nobody has to believe anything. But if you are going to say, if you're going to critically think about it and say, I'm more likely to believe someone who has done X than someone who has done zero yes, and given up zero, that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying yes. you UFO Twitter person must believe them because mm-hmm. you don't have to do anything. You don't have to prove anything to anyone and you don't have to believe anything you want to believe. But as my yoga teacher would say, if you don't want to sing along with us, ask yourself why, why don't I, is it my bias because Mm -hmm. I hate the U S government and I don't trust them, then I'm not going to believe them. Or can I disregard my bias and look at a set of facts that we're looking at here that have Mm -hmm. unfolded? Look at these facts Take them apart, put them back to const- reconstruct them, and say, "Okay, that person is more likely than not to be forthright
3: because of what they chose to give up." Mm-hmm. In can I say something service to the topic? Yes, ma'am. I I don't want to like jump in too much, but this is something I almost got to in my rant. What if? Please. What if the people talking about the subject? did make money like what if they did get to go out and make right um, like why why is this the only subject where people think people are not allowed to do that like yeah, any like any, right. it's a no. really strange stigma that i don't understand like any other interest if you put work and effort into it people are okay with you getting paid but in this topic you're not allowed to get anything from it it's, mm-hmm. very bizarre. It,
2: it's a way to disbelieve. It gives the people that road because they already don't want to believe you based on mm-hmm. they're scared that this could be true, which I'm not scared. The only reason I'm not scared is because there's nothing I could do about it. If it's true and something really bad happens, there's nothing I'm going to do. I just got to manage my I intentions. I love
0: Buddhist and, DJ. This is great. Yeah, <laughs> I just got to manage
2: my intentions. I'm That's all I can go. do. Yeah. I mean, so... So whatever they're bought, bi- this just feeds right into that bias. Cause now, because Elizondo's writing a book up, oh, see, I told you <laughs> so anyway, go ahead, Nathan. Did yeah. you already go? Yeah,
1: I haven't, but I've, I've enjoyed what you guys have said. I mean, He's the, take, uh, 10 minutes, the work of the critic is cheap. The work of someone who is trying to relate with you is expensive, you know, to relate to you. Relate, relating is hard, right? And engaging is hard. Throwing stones costs basically nothing, right? And uh, we unfortunately in the social media landscape, I think we kind of conflate what's happening there with uh, how reality actually functions or uh, a lot of people in that space sort of confuse their, uh, you know, likability or credibility or social cachet for uh, correctness or, you know, validity of opinion or or, or what have mm-hmm. you, because we've prized those things, right? We've prized those uh, follower counts and we've commoditized a person's wealth in that way. Um, and, you know, quite frankly, we've commoditized our academic,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: programs, you know, if, just as you all have pointed out, I mean, you uh, you're absolutely right. This is borrowing from Leah, but you're absolutely right that it's a tremendous amount of sacrifice to go through the rigor of an academic program to that kind of level or to become an expert at anything. Quite frankly, it's hard. It takes a lot of work. Um, Skin in the game is what we call it. Right.
2: That's right.
1: But we have also, I think created a world in which we have equated a person's value with their credentials and that's where we have gone wrong to a certain degree, I believe. Um, so, you know, I definitely resonate with, uh, you know, all that you said. And and, and Leah, of course, I completely agree. Um, we need to be able to extend the charity to others that we would want extended to ourselves. This is not complicated. Right. right. It's really not, you know. Great. Comp- you know, we, we are complicated. <laughs> and we need to be. Please give me the freedom. be a complicated person and to and to make mistakes and to be broken etc um the other thing i thought is that you know our history books are filled with figures that we have lionized who are absolutely horrible people
0: steve jobs
1: (laughs) (laughs) you know we we i mean we have lionized some terrible people uh and and that i'm not saying that's wrong i'm saying that in a way it's beautiful as well right because human beings are complicated you know Mm -hmm. someone can be a bastard but can also be a savior Mm -hmm. right um come on this is the world the world in which we live and uh if we aren't willing to extend the kind of charity that we'd like extended to ourselves then we're not really ready in my in my opinion to participate in the conversation
2: yeah, I agree, and and it really comes down to the charity is, is to come to this, come to the space, ready to be able to say, you know, you've espoused an opinion about something, and you're wrong, and don't be mm-hmm. afraid to be in a Twitter conversation and say I was wrong. Yep. I, can't, I just a couple of weeks ago we we're just just laughing at this, at somebody just at making a fool out of himself because he, he just couldn't say he was wrong. And it's just like it's okay, man. I mean, I've had to call Nathan and Debs and go, man, I was wrong about that. And I do it every time because I want them to know that I know I was wrong. I don't want Nathan or Debs or Leah or any of my or anyone to think that I only come and tell you when I was right about something. Mm-hmm. Because that person is a jackass. But sometimes I'm really wrong. And I I I told Nathan, man. There, there is no way that I believe Eisenhower could have made some sort of an agreement with a non-human intelligence that would allow abductions in, in, in trade for the technology. And then there was an allusion to, to it by Grush. And now I'm not so sure. So I moved off that opinion, among others. I mean, there's other, other things as well. Um, these guys have heard me guffaw, like continuously about when he said uh, i said i bet my life that the tic tac was a a non-human intelligence and not a blackout project and then grush and elizondo and and melanov all confirmed that uh but i've been wrong about 10 other things <laughs> so so uh i'm probably wrong more than i'm right um and that's okay but, but and i'm go ahead ma'am
3: yeah i just want to say like from 20 plus years of working in the field of psychology like people are not good or bad they're just people Mm -hmm. we make mistakes we're actually more likable when we make mistakes believe it or not psychology has said we're more likable (laughs) if we make mistakes um i think it's okay um for people to not necessarily buy into everything from somebody um and to be flexible and i think that Um, we shouldn't set this high bar either. That's a lot of pressure to put on certain people. Um, so I think it's okay to just sort of approach the topic with like a little more discernment sometimes and to just sort of accept that we don't know everything. We're all human.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, yeah, if, if someone knows everything, you know, they said, t- uh, Jacques Vallée, I, I heard this line from uh, J. Christopher King on podcast yesterday. He said Jacques Vallée's line was, I'm the only ufologist that doesn't know what's going on. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, yeah, just, you know, tr- just try to, you know, be be humble and be in a discussion and have somebody present facts uh, that, uh, you know, will will change your, your position On something you know that you're you know you're not too sure um of you know maybe your position was incorrect and it's okay to be that way um i'm sorry so well let's have a just a last let's go around the horn with everybody uh starting with prime time
0: Uh uh-oh is there a theme or is it a free no just if you want to just have (laughs) any
2: any parting parting comments because it yeah you know you know almost an hour and a half.
0: Yeah, I think I think my one of my comments here that came to mind was talking about the financial incentives that keep people in or not in the subject. And if we have this um, kind of Madonna whore complex around if people are allowed to get paid or not for this subject, in turn, what happens is the subject falls under the purview of the ultra wealthy who may have um, interests and incentives well beyond those of the oipoloi or the common man. Um, And I certainly uh, am a big believer in compensating people for their work. And I think that there are incredible, hardworking, independent researchers on this subject all across the spectrum that completely deserve fair compensation so that they can consider or so that they can continue doing such valuable work in the subject without being beholden to, um, say, billionaires with questionable political or social agendas. Um, So I'm generally in a lot like with what deb said like the fact that people get upset about others seeking compensation in the subject um i don't see the issue with it um but that should be uh at odds with just sort of like the social climbing wannabe celebrities in the subject don't give them your money they suck um yeah but yeah anyway
2: what do you hope to get out of it leah what do you hope to get out of it being part of this
0: Oh, I expect to retire by 42 on my piles of super chat money. Um, <laughs> no, what do I expect to get out of it? Like, very, yeah, very I mean, honestly. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so like, really honestly, um, I uh, I have an enormous intellectual appetite. And among um, the considered and thoughtful people in and around this subject, I think are some of the most intellectually astute and interdisciplinary thinkers I've encountered, whether in academia or on Twitter or anyplace else. Um, and very candidly like human connection. Um, I mean, my approach is very is very much through the lens of psychedelics and spirituality and um, kind of the common experience. And so I'm just really looking for human connection in all of this.
2: Before we go, we got to get Nicholas's come. He's going to want to hear one of you guys talk about the hearing. So uh, whichever one of you wants to take that. And I agree with you. I want to say Leah, the human connection this really is, I mean, I've made friends here that I'm going to have for the rest of my life. I really feel that way. Um, I, I don't just mean Nathan and, and the people on the show like Deb and Leah and the rest of these guys. I mean lots of people that I've met on Twitter. You know, I was, I've talked to Corey and I've talked to Jordan and I've talked to uh, Alien Pickle Jim the other night who's coming on uh, for The Experiencer. Uh, coming up, uh, Sherilyn Carter. Uh, we got to speak with uh, her recently, David John Lanier. Uh, Dave uh, Scott from uh, Spaced Out Radio, the great, great host and uh, Canadian journalist, and uh, Jim, the alien pickle. Uh, with So that's uh, going to be our next episode, and then we're going to have the law enforcement guys on uh, to hear how they want to change law enforcement training. Uh, Leah got to meet um, uh, Keith Taylor in New York, uh, and uh, also we're going to have uh, one of my classmates, uh, Sean Blakely, a uh, guy from my wrestling team in high school, he was a New York police officer. They had a report of a UFO, uh, Take had a water spout going from the reservoir up into the craft. Uh, I think more than one report that because Linda Zimmerman also took reports like that. But but Sean, uh, one of Sean's colleagues, because he was a reservoir police officer before becoming local police officer, we're going to have uh, Brian Sharp. Uh, host of uh, sasquatch odyssey he's an he was an atlanta police officer um and of course uh, ash from the uk counterterrorism cop host uh, with Davey of uh, the mechanism pod who's part of our uh, calling all beings network so we're gonna have ash as well so that's gonna come a week after the experiencer group uh, deb's uh parting shot my friend
3: Okay, so do you want me to try to tackle the aliens? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please do. So we got
2: that one from Mick, and then uh,
3: okay,
2: uh, Nathan can handle a Nikki Eisenhower's uh, comment.
3: Okay, so the Mexican hearing that occurred this week um, included bodies that were presented on the stage. The result of that was that people like Robert Salas says there's been extensive research proving that these are. In fact, non-human intelligence. But other researchers came forward and said, actually, we would like other scientists to take a look at this because we know that there have been hoaxes in the past where corpses have been put together, um, ancient mummified corpses, to create um, what looks like an alien, essentially. So I am waiting for some real scientific analysis before I can say what that was. Um, For me, it was more uh, socially interesting um, because I was just really intrigued by the response, which was what I kind of expected it to be. It was not panic in the streets. It was people going, I don't think so. I don't really think that's what that is. (laughs) Or occasionally people were excited, like, could it be? That'd be exciting if that's what that was. Um, which is contrary to what we've been told people would do this entire time. I feel like it was a good practice round, but I don't think that um, anyone has conclusive answers about what those bodies were. I do not approve of people removing remains, by the way, um, no matter what kind of species they are. (laughs) So that actually bothered me. But I will say just as an add on that I did not appreciate the response from another person in the hearing that seemed to um, belittle the hearing as a result of those bodies being presented. I don't think that's an appropriate professional response if you're invited to another government's hearing to speak. So that's what I have to say about the alien bodies.
2: Thank you for that, Deb, uh, because you just educated me on this uh, because I, I didn't know anything about it and um, i'll have a question for you after the show after we close off mick uh thank you very much mick just for supporting us and always coming on and uh, all the positive reinforcement that you give all of us uh and our show on twitter we really do appreciate you and we'd like to get you on the show um so yeah uh let me know about that we'll <laughs> make that happen okay brother uh and now uh Nikki, go ahead nathan what do we got here
1: Yeah. So first of all, Nikki, thanks for joining us uh, on this conversation. You've had some really great comments and uh, I absolutely agree with what you're saying here uh, in the comment that you posted. So to depart from Deb on the money-making, let me mention the nonprofit space, the expectations that you're supposed to be all heart and star for what you're advocating for. I mean, gosh, uh, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, it just gets to the kind of the rottenness that we've talked about before um, where we've, I think, Currently misplaced, many of our priorities. Uh, if you've ever had a teacher that has changed your life, uh, my God, the value of that person uh, to you and to the world that you then kind of inhabit is uh, is priceless. Yet the value that we place on them is uh, is incredibly like terrible. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's okay. It's okay to be compensated for work that you're doing. And uh, if we really compensated people for the value of their work, we'd be paying our our trash folks. We'd be paying our our construction workers, our teachers, you know, a whole lot more than what we're paying, you know, some person who sits up in a, in a C-suite office and uh, you know, basically makes a couple decisions a day uh, by by committee. Uh, So anyway, uh, that's all I'll say on that. Um, And I guess just to kind of close out, this has been a really wonderful conversation. I know None of us like kind of went off the rails and that's not what I expected, but I enjoyed uh, the rants that we did share. I really value each of you and your contribution to the conversation. Um, I feel that part of the work that we do is trying to model how to have conversations that are like this. Yes. And um, that often goes unappreciated and that's okay. But I think it, uh, you know, we are trying to lead by example um, and, and we're not perfect at that. You know, sometimes we really, we, we fall fat, flat on our faces and, mm-hmm. uh, and don't do a good job, but you know, we're, uh, we're working at it. We're not going to give up and we're going to keep on pressing forward and having the conversations that, that I think need to be had. So thank all of you.
2: Yeah. We're enjoying the hell out of it. We're coming up on our hundredth episode. Um, and so we'll, we haven't even discussed what we're going to do for that, but, uh, we'll have to have a, a team meeting about that. Um, I think I know what we're going to do with it. Uh, I think I know what kind of party we're going to have because it's so much fun to do that. It's so difficult to put together, but I think I know what we're going to do. Um, and um, I want to say, uh, speaking of uh, teachers, um, I got to have dinner with my teacher just moments after bro-hugging James Iandole out in front of the Paradise Restaurant in Verplank. Um, James went, went walked back to his crib, and I went in the restaurant And I saw my teacher for the first time since 1985 when I left high school. He was both my special ed teacher and wrestling coach and uh, had an enormous impact on me, Mr. Paul LaValle, Coach LaValle, and um, uh, his advocacy and... um, not only me, but the rest of us that were in those those special ed classes that were uh, on the third floor of the school. So there was no question when you were walking up there, people knew where that you were in those classes. And uh, Mr. LaValle was your representative throughout that school if you ever had any issues in other classes. And I, I don't think I'd be sitting here today talking to you were it not for Mr. LaValle. So it was great to see him again. Uh, oh, and have dinner with him with uh, 30 of my classmates. So anyway, um, I loved you sharing
0: this DJ. Beautiful, oh my yeah. goodness. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful
2: yep. college. I mean, college, yep. I don't think would have happened. Um, you know, him bringing me on and wrestling and then football mm-hmm. and the air force and flying and everything else. I think all stemmed from that, that mm-hmm. senior year in, in Mr. LaValle's class, I just gained an enormous amount of personal confidence that i needed to try those things mm-hmm. you know i mean the f- try the failure and success was you know 50 50 up in the air i mean but i wouldn't have tried those things i think were it not for my classmates and uh at the school writ large not just the special specialized class were pretty small there's probably mm-hmm. like you know 10 10 kids in there 12 kids something like that if if at, at most but the whole school and then, you know, and then, uh, Mr. LaVallee. So thank you, Mr. LaVallee. Uh, we'll see you again next summer. <laughs> um, so anyway, thank you cabbies. Uh, thank you community. Um, we had a good time. We ran in a little bit and, uh, I'm so glad. I'm just so glad primetime is back. Uh, Debs, thank you for being awesome and money, Nathan. Um, I'm just waiting for someone to offer him a six figure contract <laughs> to, to go to their show. So <laughs> I love you guys. So for right. for uh, for uh, prime time for devs for money, Nathan. This is DJ saying peace, one love. We'll see you down the road, and we're always wondering what's up around the bend. There you go. <gasps>